2: And welcome back to the Jesus and Paula show Live from Tulsa, Oklahoma Tulsi town, as sometimes we call it uh, Tell your friends that Dr. Price is live this week Bringing us a revelation about something, possibly the prophet I tell you what, she has been on our training track here Of uh, training up the prophets Now this is really important in this era (laughs) I tell you what, there is some foolishness going on right now in the body of Christ and going on prophetically it's very interesting to see the moves and the ebbs and the flows of the prophetic that are happening right now last week dr. price made a statement she said bona fide apostles and prophets exist for God's issues Exist for God's issues. Now, this is something that really needs to be addressed and uh, differentiated about God's issues versus our issues. So, hello, everybody out there in Jesus and Paula land. Let's do some roll call. Tell us where you're from. Where are you watching from? Where are you tuning in? Are you around the world, somewhere else in another time zone, in another country? Uh, let us know, but it's time to share. Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning Angela redman warren <laughs> Okay, good morning Cassandra. Hi, right. uh, but the whole crazy and insanity of what's going on in the prophetic. Just because something markets well doesn't mean it's God's issue. Just because you can make a flyer, make a statement, make a a whole whatever movement, doesn't mean it's God's idea. And we really have to get good at identifying what's God's issue from what's our issue. Is it a pet peeve? Are you just marketing your peeves? Are you prophetically irritated because you could be marketing your irritants all right well this person is just getting on my nerves well I just want these people to sit down and be quiet well it's time for these people to have a platform and to do whatever and we're seeing this now more and more in the body out of certain camps in the kingdom and the question is is that a pet peeve is it a hot button Are they God's ideas? Now, this is something that we work with our apostles and prophets in our training program here because uh, it's so easy to presume an approval from God on something that is really your flesh just being irritated, especially if it's a good idea. You know, as they used to say, just because it's a good idea doesn't mean it's a God idea all right we used to say that in the the chat we used to say that everybody could fill in the blank like oh yeah how many things have you gotten out there to do and god says but i never told you to do that we like to blame god by saying why didn't you tell me not to but you see the way this relationship works when you're on staff with somebody is you wait to get your orders to do something Military, you get your orders, and then you do them. You don't come up with something creative and then blame your XO because they didn't stop you from being out of order. Am I right, Dr. Gale? See, am I right, Selma? All right, we got the military folk in the room, the retired folks. That's not how any of this works. And in the body of Christ, we have taken to blaming God for not stopping us. When we have been out of order from the beginning, from the beginning, we're supposed to take our lead from the leader, take instructions from the commanding officer, not blame them for not stopping you whenever you got a creative idea that was in fact not in order. We operate as apostles and prophets on orders, not ideas, orders not ideas. And you know I'm fired up right now because I just went through (laughs) Dr. Price's teaching on uh, the prophetic pedigree, the prophet's pedigree, and I I edited something out for somebody else. And let me tell you something, 10 minutes of that segment had me lit up all over again when she was talking about really the divining prophetics that we have right now in the body. There's a lot of divining. And somehow we think if there's not a cauldron, With some smoke bubbling, you know, some things bubbling and a big old mop handle, broom handle to stir the pot, that it's not demonic and it's not divinatory. But there's a lot of divining going on right now in the body, a lot of divining. And any time I see a movement that's popping up to suppress any part of God's body, I know it's a devil. I don't care who's saying it. You're telling me that your movement is shutting down women. You're telling me that your movement is shutting down men. You're, t- like, shutting down, not correcting people who are out of order. Not, and, and, and there's a difference between correcting people who are, who are out of order and chastising somebody getting on your nerves. See, I'm going to still say that we cannot use our platform to voice our pet peeps. And you can have those prophetic pet peeves. There are some things that get on my last nerve that people do in the body of Christ. But guess what? Guess where you don't hear me talk about it? Anywhere in public. Anywhere in public. I have to make sure that my public platform that God has given me, I don't parlay into a pet peeve platform. To where now this thing that really just irritates me, I am assigning God's authority for me to come against it. And that's what you see a lot of right now. You see a lot of people using their part. Now, this is nothing new, okay? People have done this before. But when you start seeing various ministers in the kingdom and officials gathering together to do these things and flock together, you have to ask God, are you in the midst of that move? It doesn't matter if it's your favorite person. It doesn't. And then listen, the bigger the ministry, sometimes the more you have to ask. Because when we see large numbers, we give a default setting of approval, don't we? Well, they're big, so God approves of everything they do. They're big, so clearly they consulted the Lord. They're big, so clearly it's okay. Well, you know, he's this and she's that. And, well, they have large numbers. Man, that They had 4,500 people, 10,000 people, 9,000 people. So clearly everything they're doing is of God. Yet when we look at history and we see these large ministers that have fallen, they have fallen with large numbers under them. And they have been, well, amen, Prophet Norma. There's an amen in the corner right here. And guess what? Many of them had large numbers for years. And what do we find out? Oh, I haven't believed in this ever. Some people ever. So you're saying that you got big never believing that Jesus was the only way? Yep, exactly what some people have said. So you got huge believing that women need to sit down and shut up and be quiet? Always believed it Well, I had an exception for the wife Because, you know, we were growing a big ministry And that's what you need no, I had an exception for the sister I had an exception for my mother As you know, I had a respect, owed some money to them And so I gave them a piece of a platform But by and large That's not And see, we have not been taught to examine the fruit We haven't been taught To step away from the sizzle You know, in marketing There's a thing called sizzle in marketing where you have to put the sizzle on it. That's the thing that it's like, yes, for people that draw. That's the thing that tastes good. Right. It's the thing that just, you know, when they bring out the food from certain restaurants and it's silly, everybody watches it and the smoke is going to you like, ooh, In your mind it smells good. You can't smell it. It just smells good. It's just sizzling. Like, yes, come on, remember the sizzler? All right. <laughs> so, you, we just want the sizzle. We want the market. We want to know, well, who can package this thing the best? And we don't check ingredients. For some of these people to be so holistic in nature. Can you be scripturally organic and culturally unmodified? People who are are emphasizing what you put in your mouth, can we talk about what you're putting in my spirit? So you don't eat pork, you just fellowship with devils. Oh, so much better. So much better. You have your closet boyfriend and your closet girlfriend, but hey, you know, at least you don't eat partially hydrogenated, androgenated, re-drogenated, hyperdrogenated oils. Great job. I'm glad your body is together because your soul is a mess. Your spirit is going down. So we are just like, I mean, do you sit straight down? There is, you get in the elevators, like you get in, a, you go in some of these high-end hotels and businesses, and elevators are going to certain places, certain floors. You have to have key cards and access. And so God's kicking you in the one that's only going down. The shaft doesn't go up in your elevator. It's only going down. We have got to look, as she says, bacon prophetics, Love you. <laughs> Bacon prophetic, okay, that's all that pork, all that fat in your prophetic and no kind of nutritional value whatsoever. Let me tell you something. I love bacon. Bacon and I, we get along. That's why I don't buy it. It is not in my house, not just because Dr. Price is allergic to pork. I mean, I can still eat it, but because bitch, you can't eat just one. That's me. When it comes to bacon, boy, I make no apologies and don't ask me about it later. Ever Okay? But I understand there is no nutritional value. You know, some things you don't eat for nutrition. You eat because for the sensation. And see, this is us right now in a lot of the body, body of Christ, sensational prophetics, sensationalizing ministry. So just go out and, and cue the lights, camera, action. See, that is one of the positive things about the pre-media lights, camera, action era is somebody you had to really listen to what they were saying. Because you can have a lot of misdirects with special effects. So the special effects can catch you up. Ooh, I'm drawn to them because of the aesthetics of the ministry and what they say impacts you, really, because I'm not saying everybody out there who isn't helping God out is stupid. They're not. They're brilliant, in fact. This is why these campaigns are successful, because brilliant people, articulate people are doing it, are doing it. We are so far out of the word of God when she was talking in this thing about the uh, um, pedigree, the prophet's pedigree, and she said, come on now, God opened the mouth of a donkey to prophesy. We have made the pinnacle prophecy, but the prophetic is like entry level. What did God say? He can open literally anything with a mouth. Let's back that up. He had a hand without a body writing on a wall. To prove his point, when he didn't have a prophet in the room, he sent a hand to start writing and scaring everybody half to death. So let's not act like that it's the highest achievement. To Now, it's a a special calling. It is chosen. But let's not act like voicing something for the Lord is an anomaly. If he doesn't have a prophet around, when Balaam, and she said in that discussion, that Balaam's eyes could not be open to even see the angel until the donkey started talking. So the Lord, who has the codes to all of creation, all, I'm going to open this thing up. Come on, we have Nebuchadnezzar's kids, everything cutting the straight full. Having parties for years and fired everybody, retired everybody from his dad. You know how young folk come in and they just want clean house. I'm just to clean out. I am just gonna reset everything. I'm just gonna do whatever. Adonijah movement. Just gonna come in and bump everything that my dad has done. And so they just are like, hey, it's a, it's a, they have hey, the concert and Snoop Dogg is performing and everybody's getting down and dirty and you're doing whatever's going on. And all of a sudden this hand is writing and you know what everybody knows that's not a special effect that's not in the software program because this hand is writing on your screen all over your mess and everybody starts running i can't even come on now let's be real here because we, we have this like it's a little business meeting that they have and all of a sudden, the little pen started writing on the wall. And, oh, my, somebody find out what's happening. Now, let's be, this is a king, right? This is a king. This is the leader of a nation. Security is at an all-time high when the head of a nation is on the ground. So this is the palace, I'm assuming. So security is everywhere. You just don't walk up into the palace like you do McDonald's. I'll take a number two. I'll take a number three, hold the cheese. I'll take a number four, double the meat. No, you don't do that. You just don't roll up to a party in a palace unless you have an invitation, you have the right ID, and you have the right clearance to do so. So the king, was he was partying with, or whatever status he was, was partying with his boys, his crew, the people, the dancers, the hired entertainment. We already know what that looks like all right you have people not clothed very well people high drunk first of all i'm sure some people thought they were hallucinating (laughs) because they probably were already hallucinating i mean this is that kind of party you're getting down and then the hand of god shows up on the wall and his doctor price says snatches everybody's high (laughs) (laughs) you ever been around people who were intoxicated and high and something crazy happens somebody starts Uh, falling out, choking, vomiting, passing out, everybody can sober up to call 911. You can sober up. Get him in the car. No, don't get him in the car. Who's driving? Listen, everybody's out of their mind. No, 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 don't do that, but you can sober up. So I would imagine that the hand of God brought a sobering spirit in the room to shut down the intoxication of party and begins to write it down. See, we're about to see the handwriting on the wall for a lot of ministries. A lot of people, you have been weighed. You've been measured. You've been in the balance. You've been found wanting. And we're about to see God issue out his you've been found wanting edicts on a lot of these people out here in the body of Christ. Masquerading, partying, pimping people out. The things that go on behind the scenes in some of these places are appalling absolutely appalling in the body of christ and he's coming and he's gonna say you've been you've been measured you've been weighed you've been found wanting and tonight we're going to see ministries fall in the night in a day and the beautiful thing about all this social media is word spreads very quickly you can't hide a secret anymore you can't do it and the weighing and the measuring because god is the final judge he has in book of daniel the watchers The watchers that were watching Nebuchadnezzar were not people. They were heavenly beings on assignment. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't even serving God. But he was like, look at what my hands did. Look at what I did for myself. And the Lord was like, "Now hold on here. We all need to remember who who, who kills and makes alive, who brings up and who tears down, who puts in their office, who takes out of their office is the Lord God Almighty. And the watchers were watching. It didn't matter. You, can we? Our human approval doesn't matter with God. All. Our disapproval doesn't matter with God. His staff, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. So unless you are authorized and deputized here, now we have our basics, bound, bound, loose, loose, okay? We have those basic rules, but they don't supersede. It's kind of like we're doing the citizen's arrest. Versus law enforcement, you're under arrest. Versus FBI showing up at your door. I've watched these things. When they said, when the FBI shows up at your door, you know you're in trouble. When the police show up at your door, you might be in trouble. They could have the wrong address. Maybe they're looking for someone else. Uh, we need to ask you a few questions, something went down, or you could be taken out of handcuffs. So, you know, there's a whole lot. But they said when the FBI shows up at your door, you're done. Trouble has been investigated. The investigation has already been kicked up to them. And so when they show up, we're not showing up because we're guessing or we're still figuring it out. It's gone to what is called the federal level. And that's a different level altogether. That means there's already a case against you when the FBI shows up. Law enforcement shows up, maybe. And law enforcement does not have prosecuting power. They turn it over to the prosecuting powers of the land. When the FBI shows up, when the special agents show up, get nervous, get scared, you're like, what is going on? And see, we're so used to dealing with the locals down here on the local level of God's kingdom that we have not dealt with the federal level of God's kingdom, the invisible realm of his kingdom. Those people, come on, FBI, well, CIA does it, uh, you know, they're international. So FBI, they don't show up. Like, we don't see them. I love the lines on television when they show up at the door and somebody's getting nervous and they're like, ma'am, you're nervous. They're like, you're the FBI at my door. Yeah. Of course I'm nervous. Why are you getting defensive? Why are you here? I've lived my whole life as a U.S. citizen, never meeting, never met any, or meeting any of the federal finest, and you're at my door. You know, it's almost like they don't exist. Well, they really don't exist to us until you break the law, and then all of a sudden, you feel the fullness of the institution coming down on you, and what we're about to feel right now is the fullness of God's judiciary institution coming down on his body, coming down on the planet. We're going to feel it. We're already feeling the battle. It's been going on, and really the battle's been happening for a long time, but it's finally been enforced to us and against us through the legal system. When we do our homework and research, we see, what do we see? This has been going on for a long time. They've been trying to do this for a long time. So what we're going to do right now is do a quick promo of this year's Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, and we'll be right back.
0: Here she is.
3: You want
2: to be here in Tulsa Oklahoma in June if you're a change agent if you've been assigned to make change and not just be inspired or to be inspirational you want to be here now let me answer a few questions that I hear a lot I know it says Tulsa prophetic training Institute you do not have to be a prophet to attend you do not have to be ordained to attend you do not have to be in a prophetic company you can just be curious come on and get yourself educated it is open to the public i know it says training institute but it is open for the public to register you don't have to show your prophetic credentials at the door for this now you do if you're going to minister prophetically bless the name of god but not to attend the training it is open to the body of christ We also have a youth conference running uh, parallel to that here in Tulsa, and I'll be overseeing that, apostling this generation, profiting this generation. We have got to get this next generation on board with who God is. We cannot wait. I don't understand why we leave that up to them. We don't leave anything else up to them. Please take a shower every day. Please, that is not up to you. We already know when you leave things up to young folk, they opt to not do it. Clean your room. No, it's up to you. Oh, that's a no-brainer. Do your laundry. That's a no-brainer. How many times have you worn that before it's washed? So, come on, don't give your young people a chance to, to choose themselves. Bring them so we can onboard them now for what God is doing. In our youth group here in Tulsa, we're going through the Bible. We're in the book of Numbers right now and learning the word. So, we're teaching our young people how to praise and worship God and pray. But we had to get in, like, four books of the Bible – for them to learn God as he is, then saying hallelujah and amen, because we have kids who are churched before, we have some who are not, we have some who have really solid uh, homes, Christian homes, where there is a strong routine around the Lord, and then we have others who are not, they don't have that in the house, and so they have to be taught, why we should praise? It's one thing to bark orders to people. Raise your hands, wait, church. You need to praise God. Now we're not gonna let you sleep and sit on the Lord here, okay? But we do want you to understand who the Lord is. And so last night I told my kids, okay, now we laid hands on all of them last night, and then I said, now we're gonna start incorporating praise and worship moments into where it's just you and God and Hallelujah and Amen and you saying something to Jesus and getting used to hearing it come out of your own mouth you praising God out of your own mouth. And I said, isn't it easier now that you're learning God for yourself? And some people are like, yeah, wow, because it is, it is easier to respond to the Lord whenever, here we go, whenever uh, you know him and not just us as adults saying, you need to praise God because this is what we do. Because honestly, we praise God the way, because of our relationship with him and how we know him, and not because there's a big stick. Although, you know, in our church on Sunday, when it's getting a little shifty, it's like, hold on, what do I do? Stop the music. Last Sunday, stop the music. Hold on, we're doing a lullaby and good night right now to the Lord. No, 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 we got to shift it because he is a person and not just a moment or an incidental in our lives, or the uh, you know first responder, where we really just kind of ignore them until somebody's having a crisis, call 911, and then we're mad that it took them six minutes to get there. And that's how we are with God. And so we're raising up our young people so you can register them for TPTI. Of course, if you are an adult registering for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, preparing for God's future, can we care about God and can we care about his future and our role? Going back to what we were talking about earlier in the broadcast, we are not going to blame God for not stopping us. Just we, we were talking earlier about how in the military, you don't blame your commanding officer for not stopping you for being stupid or for being rebellious. But why, didn't you, well, why didn't you stop me from going AWOL? What? You know, to get this far, it means you've been trained. So you know the rules. And that's part of the issue in the body of Christ is you can just be on top of anything and have no training, zero accountability, little accountability, cherry-pick accountability. And uh, coming this route of development is a hard reset. We need to go back to, I think we need to start promoting the Hard Reset series to bring people back to remember
1: that we are being reset.
2: Hard. Hard. Not hardly. Not hard, hard. only. Hard, yeah. <laughs> hard reset is where we are in Christ.
1: You know, I'm excited about being here today. I'm especially excited. You're going to be thrilled that you're here today. Last week, I started a journey on the soul, remember?
4: We yeah.
1: 3D. Yeah. This week you probably all got your book And if not, well, they'll tell you how to get it online um, A couple of things are very important about understanding your soul And I'm going to kind of let this out Now, 3D has some very interesting um, topics For example, the power of emotional disappointment There you go Treating the sorrowful soul Oh, excuse me, the sorrowful heart as opposed to the sorrowful soul. And then we have emulation and aspiration can foster addictions. Yes. Just
3: want to let, sorry,
2: sorry. Want to let our viewers know that one of the episodes of Season 2 of Taking It All with Paula Price is on. Hmm, is today. Oh, it's today, The Sorrowful Soul is Today?, It's today. Yes. If you follow Taking It On, which you should, the television show uh, as well as the blog, but on the television show for season two is an episode of The Sorrowful Soul. And Dr. Price digs into this, so be on the lookout for the links to that later.
1: Great. Thank you for that commercial ad, PSA. Here's another subject you might like. Addiction shares nothing and takes everything. Okay, well, you could you know we'll let you do that today, okay, How about that? We'll let you do that today, and then the addict's intelligence, you realize that addictions are intelligent, they are part of your emotional intelligence that overwrote your mental intelligence. We can go dealing with head noise. I just want you to know we've never done this like this, so. I thought, let's say it because God is into doing something special. Disappointment, the big D in addiction. Okay? A broken heart damages the soul. The path to dependency. Understanding the D3 process, and here's one you'll like, more than exorcism. Oh, come on. And we have others. We have a disclaimer in here that says this is not clinical. Because, you know, you have got to understand how deep is your stronghold. Now, this is book one. I'm in the middle of writing books two, three, and four. And so from time to time, I'm going to give you pop-ups to let you know where I'm going so you can get ready to get your copy of book three of 3D, a soul restoration plan to take your life from distress to success your life may be ordained to succeed but your consciousness regarding success could be a little deceived just want to say that well you know because the way we teach success we act like you can go to a mall called success pick out what you want like an outfit that you appreciate adorn that outfit and all of a sudden you are successful because you feel better, because you like how you look. Doesn't work that way. So get on the phone. If you are a, a a pastor or counselor, advisor or anything like that, coach, get on the phone and begin to tell everybody you don't want to miss this. This is going to be a breakthrough day for a lot of people. Hopefully all of you. Don't forget if you haven't gotten your dunamite drills, get your dunamite drills. See how pretty they are? You know, we've gone past the lamination. We, we, we've upgraded. Thank God for the upgrading. Mm. And you want your dunamite drills, especially if you're trying to heal your soul, you probably want to get your dunamite drills because you're, you're going to find out by the time we finish that. So we have the 3D, we've got your dunamite drills, and then we've got my personal newest pets. You all remember the word clout? Yes. Yes, volume one, word clouds. Your new creation biology, isn't that a great one? You should have it, and it tells you what to do. I'm going to do my own particular commercial with the, I'm doing my own ad, with the word clouds. but, Hank, are you ready? ready. Volume two. Uh-uh. Ring on, my child, ring on. And so volume two is your leadership identity. Wouldn't you like to be able to articulate or re- recognize if you are a leader and what type of leader you are? We act like leadership is a single, you know, vineyard, one thing, and everybody in there is the same. It's not. We have a word cloud on Look at that, a word cloud on skill. got a little color up there for that one. Every now and then we got creative, and we wanted to do that. We have outcomes and effects. So in, a, in effect – In effect, you can actually source out your own leadership style or whether it exists. For example, there are people who want to be top leaders, but you're not. You don't think like a top leader. And so when we start going through our leadership training, this is going to be a great book. I believe it's already on your screen for you to get the leadership. This is volume two. Volume three, you're going to love because it's going to be all about the soul. Volume three, all about the soul. So these are wonderful. So what do we do with these? Let's talk about that because sometimes people are like, well, what do we do with it? Number one, if you look in the back, let me get to the back of the book, the back, mm, all of the things. And you can start judging leaders, you know, and um, understanding what they're thinking. And I don't mean criticizing. I mean assessing. Yeah, they're both synonyms of judging. So, you know, we I have here the dignity carrot, diamond. I dignity. Yeah, I have the dignity carrot. And then we have, here's one of the last pages toward the back. Isn't that nice? I'm, I'm teaching her too. She has to she's got the hanging. Okay, yeah. are you ready? Here's what it says. It says, say what you want, say it the way you mean it, choose the right term, word it the right way. That's why we have the word cloud. So you can go in the word cloud and you can think you want to talk about dignity and look in there and see the dignity word cloud and say, no, but actually I want want to refine that. A more refined term would be, and you'd be able to pick it out. So if you're a student, if you're a writer, if you are a teacher, a trainer, an educator, a curriculum developer, a theologian, whatever it is, all of life is about words, really emphasize that, but God does. One of the reasons the enemy wants people to not get an education, not go to school, not finish, is because they can't word out intelligently. And creation is intelligent. It will take your words, not just as instructions, but it will take your words as, as builders, as protein builders, if you will, they will and, and, and it will start to build what you keep saying in your life. So if you're going to write a paper, this might be helpful. If you're going to, and, and they have tabs. I love the tabs. You have the tabs. You can go and look and see. See the little tabs at the bottom. So next time, the next volume is going to be all about the soul, and it's going to be, oh my soul,
3: <laughs>
1: oh my soul. You know, sometimes you have to say, oh my soul. So. Now, why not end in the – this 3D book is like 2014, so why are we here? Because I was asked once, and I think Rachel will probably find it. She finds everything. God bless her. Uh, so – but I was asked once to write about the healing of the soul of a nation. Mm-hmm. And I gave some tips and steps in that article. If you can find it again, you can leave them to it. And you can download the article, Healing the Soul of a Nation. Okay? See? And so – What's important about that is that the nation's soul is still a single soul. Now, we may have our individuality and experiences may be different. We're at a point where God wants to heal his people, but he also wants to heal his nations. You know, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Wings mean spiritual. So we don't get your spirit healed and your soul healed. We can't get you healed. So, I mean, think about all that you've lived. Some of you all have lost family, family members. You've lost your jobs. You've lost your homes. You've lost all of that. And all of that comes under the 3D experience, which is disappointment. Because when it's all said and done, disappointment is the, the, the linchpin, but also the first Thing that brings us into everything else. The minute you are, you are disappointed, you're looking for consolation. The minute you meet disappointment, you're looking for a way to ride it out, to evade it, to numb it out. Disappointment, you know, and, and that's important. And, and Proverbs talks about it this way. It says, well, hope deferred makes your heart sick because disappointment defers your hope. Once your hope is deferred, your faith gets nullified. You no longer believe in you or the thing you pursued. So something just that, just that um, explanative, I'll use that word, can get you to a place that if, if, if when it piles on, you, are, you become a full mass or your soul becomes a mass of disappointments that you cannot overcome, you cannot navigate around. Eventually, you'll know when it's weighed out, I don't want to get out of bed, I don't want to go to work, I don't want to see anybody, I don't want to talk to anyone. So we're going to talk about that today. Now, every second Sunday, pretty much, I talk about the soul. We call it Let's Talk Soul Sunday. And, and the reason being that when you key in soul on the Internet, you get billions of responses, how, how people just see the soul in so many different ways. When you key in your soul on the Internet, you get somewhere around five 600 uh, responses. But the majority of them are in the Old Testament. And I, le- I mentioned last week that one of the things that prophets are supposed to be masters in, and that is the soul, the human soul, not just the psyche as we've come to know it, but the soul. Because the entire Old Testament is about the soul. So when you start acting as if you're in the office and all you do is predict, you can't assess, you can't identify, you can't discern, isolate, or any of those things, then you are definitely a gifter. Now, you may be an officer in the future, in the making, but the whole Old Testament is about the soul. Isn't that something? The New Testament is about the spirit. If you are a Bible teacher, if you are a theologian, if you are a prophet, an educator in any capacity, you've got to understand the reason the church is in trouble because it ignores the soul. In the New Testament, of the, I don't know, I want to say 200 plus times the word uh, spirit is used, the soul is only about 30, 40 times. So that means that the spirit it was the problem, and when it entered the, this earth realm, when it entered your body, it began to resolve a lot of soul issues. So we keep teaching you the resolution without you understanding the issue and your soul's pollution. You have to learn that. Have you, have you, have you started sharing yet? I'm sure you have a lot of people to share with. Share, 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 and share. Because this is the kind of stuff that you will have to call up my advisors to get into. I have an entire system, not just this. I have never been a person that just gives you a book and say, read it and come up with what you will. That is useless. Because if you were already dysfunctional when you read it, now you're going to have intelligent dysfunction. (laughs) Yes, you're going to be smart. I'm smart about my issues. My issues are smart. And so I want you to understand the soul, because if we don't come back and deal with the soul, all of the spiritual education in the world will not matter. You cannot say walk in the spirit unless you want the spirit to just distance itself from your soul. Well, that happened in Eden. We don't want to repeat that. So you will never walk in the spirit better than you heal your soul. Uh Because your soul is world contact. See, your spirit touches your soul. So from time to time, I'm going to hold classes in here as I record it to test the the material that I'm writing for 3D2. And I'm thrilled about being able to do it. So if you look on your screen, it says, Learn Your Soul as the Maker Made It. And it's based on Psalm 23, Psalm 19, Psalm 51, and 3 John 1-2. Those are some powerful, powerful. Script, scriptures. Now, if we left off also last week with you looking at and understanding what we mean by distress. See, so it doesn't mean that I had a bad day today. So this means something severed you. There's a breach somewhere, something disrupted, disturbed. Right now, the planet is in distress. Our entire planet is in distress. And it's not just political distress. It's not just economic distress. We are in soulical distress, meaning all of these external things should be manageable by us. We should be able to navigate it and negotiate it, but instead our souls have been so damaged by it. And because of the corrupt agendas and the corrupt educational system and all of the things that worded that damage in our souls, Hmm. we are unable to manage distress. So we teach it a little different, so, and you're going to love the next one because I'm going to show you the next slide, and then I'm going to read some things from the book. I'm excited about this. Look at this, your soul's emotional weight. See, that is important. You have to understand that your soul is your load-bearer, life-weight-bearer. That's what your soul does. And, and if you don't understand it like that, then you won't understand how to, to, to dig into it, but also how to speak back to it. I was surprised when I was able to discern the difference between my soul and my spirit and their communications and issues. So I wanted to share this. So your soul's, your soul's burdens, because it does have it, so, and it's emotional weight. So the first thing, if you look to the left, my left, maybe it's yours, hopefully, okay, there is the word emotions. That's an acronym. The acronym is emotional. So when we say emotional here in the 3D process, we're saying ego, the you, mentality, your mind, your thoughts, optics, perspective, and views, temperament, your, your emotional or, 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 or um, enthusiasm or anger, intelligence, obsession, your nurturer, your affectation, how things make you feel, and your logic logic is at the end because everything that happens in life has a logic it may not have the logic that we feel as a matter of fact that logic that that universal logic is what we used to call common sense and then sense became uncommon and common became scattered and individualized so this first thought knowing these are the things that weight your soul. And the left side is, the, is actually the, the, the anchor or the filter of the other. The right side is the force field of the central emittance, liquidating instincts, your nerves, governing sensibilities. It's important. We were, and, and, and if you were in this class, which you're not, we would walk through every one of them. So your soul is actually a powerful, uh, excuse me, a force field, and that, when that field is breached and, and, and what, you, what your body says does ekes into it, you don't make it. Now, the liquidation, the liquid part is, believe it or not, the liquidation is your hormones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The imitative is what your, what your soul is emitting as a hormone, and I will share that with you as you go forward. So you need to understand this because if you don't understand how God made you, you won't appreciate how he saved you. And you cannot appreciate your salvation because you don't understand the role of the soul in eternal life, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's needful. So we talked about 3D. We went over this last week. 3D is a complete system. Concept on your soul's distress to turn it into success. Your soul is how you succeed or fail because it is the potent thing. It's the stream of potency and every other thing that makes your life work. So it's a combination of your hormonal sources and your electricity. So what the spirit sends as energy, really nuclear energy, your soul. Converts to electricity So that it can power your body You have to know that Because you have to understand Why the soul goes to hell 3D is a holistic Systemic way to strengthen Deliver and fortify souls Based on how their maker made them So I don't, have to, I don't want to get caught up In all of this other stuff that, That's been out there forever I think that's very good stuff Very great My job is to represent the Almighty. As an apostle, that's what I do. Because apostles are supposed to master this thing. They're supposed to have expertise in the things that affect Jesus Christ. Our job is to be experts in all things Jesus Christ. You know, I got, I like my my team. You know, from, from Apostle Ashley, I got, I just figured out she's in class. She's, you know, I guess she wanted me to think that she was getting the program and that she was smart. No, I was just so happy for a birthday. <laughs> <laughs> no. So in our Apostles Readiness Program, she said, I said, well, in a word, what would be your statement about what an apostle is? And she said, expert in all things Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's what those apostles were. And John and Paul were the highest, expert in all things Jesus Christ. And John, on the original 12, and Paul as the next Prove the point So experts, we'll talk about expert next week Because I want you to understand that I'm not, I don't use words lightly I don't, word, because I realize that in the beginning was the word And the word was with God and the word was God And the same was in the beginning with God And that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us So the word was made, made flesh That means God literally cellulated his words His words are cellular containers that breed his biotic life i want to say that again. His wow. words are cellular containers that breathe his biotic life. You would not appreciate your cell phone if all it had was words. You need those words to plug into something. You need them to trigger something. You need them to answer questions, to be the supplier and provider of everything you need to communicate in this world and what it needs to communicate to you. When we look at the thing we make, everything, the most important thing we make is what numbers or maps, no, logos, the word. From the word, we, the next thing we emphasize is sound. So we have this nuclear sonar, the words and the sound, because in the beginning God said, let there be. So 3D works the way the maker made the soul, and it's powerful. The term 3D stands for decision, discovery, and deliverance. Decision starts with recognizing the need to be set free or otherwise strengthened, evidenced by submitting to often, an often painful journey of becoming free, actively backing that decision by submitting to and cooperating with the stages and steps that set souls free from bondage, because addiction is just a bondage. And a bondage means that somebody – Not only did they bind you, Mm -hmm. but you created a bond with the bonder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you've created a bond, then we're talking about covenants. If we're talking about covenant, we're talking about authority. We're talking about legitimacy. Mm -hmm. We're also talking about permission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The reason God keeps saying in the New Testament, whosoever will, is because your will is the master controller. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: We'll talk about that in my next book. Okay. okay. In turn, we're building the soul to be successful in life. While the path to a liberated life consists of the um, three distinct deeds, the incubator of it all is what landed you where you are today. The culprit is disappointment. It is the first stone in the addiction captivity pavement because life thrives on hope. Mm-hmm. The fragile yet unignorable expectation of satiating good that is born in us, uh, that is born in people's soul, is called hope. You are born expecting, if you're expecting something good to happen, then that is hope. So we're born with hope. And life has to kill it. Life has to crush it. Life has to disappoint it, whether that's through disappointing families, disappointing parents, whether that is disappointing authority figures, educators, teachers, whether that is disappointing friends or events, that is that, whether that is uh, things that you've constantly pursued and they kept s- slipping through your fingers. Something as simple as a theft can be that, that stone in that pavement because something that you had a hope for enjoying yourself was taken from you. Mm-hmm. So when we think about the 3-D process, we're dealing with that. (laughs) Whether it is the infant expecting to be fed, clothed, and loved, or the younger, youngster demanding often hard to articulate expectations, the culprit in it all is disappointment because we're appointed to live. We're appointed to thrive. We're appointed to succeed. In addition to the teenager uh, binging on fantasy expecting uh, to make it a reality when they, have, when they leave home just because their minds, I, imagined it.
3: Mm.
1: A lot of you have never gotten over your, your teenage fantasies. You've not done it. You've watched too much television. You've watched too many shows. Today, social media knows that what, what I've just said here is true, so it obsesses your, your youngsters, your teens, with its fantasies, knowing their fantasies guarantee disappointment because they will be crushed. By reality. Yep. And you don't teach your, cho- your kids reality. When we were growing up, they taught us. Your mother, my mother and father told us, uh-uh, no, 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 that's, that's, that's imagination. No, that's silly. No, that, that, that can't happen. Come on, I need you to think. That was how we raised. Today, we send our children to fantasy land. Disney would not be the powerful institution it is if it were not for fantasy. Fantasy obsession fantastical obsession. It would not be that. Now, I have nothing against them. I like the little, you know, any type of amusement. We all need some. But you need to have your children understand where the line of of, of amusement and entertainment is drawn and where to lock it into fantasy, thus uselessness, as opposed to steering them to reality. It's It's very important that you let your kids know that's television. Many of you got married on on the on the, the, the fantasy channels on television. You had boyfriends, and then you were stunned that they they beat you up. But, I mean, but in, uh, in the movie they didn't beat you up. No, they were paid not to hit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> actor. actor. <laughs> um, but they'll, I'm off duty. This is, and they'll, and I'll tell you, this is real world. Uh, this is real. Yeah. So you have to understand that the hardest thing that for us to work on this in this dispensation is the the constant feasting, binging on fantasy and helping people understand where the, the two worlds collide and thus where they should divide. So you have, I mean, the reason you gave your kids all of this money and you did all that you did and then the kid turned around and do something ridiculous and you're like, well, I don't understand why you did it because you taught them their fantasy as a reward. But reality will not form to fantasy. I don't care how much they fake it. I don't care how much they, they, can, they can give you all of the meta this and the meat of that and all of that. All it's going to do is conform, conform the person. Reality will not. And if you want to be healed, you're going to have to come out of your fantasy world and face the cold, hard light of day because that's where your soul is strengthened. That's where it gets its power from because the soul was created in truth, and only truth will set it free. Some of you were the adult that that, um, set out on your life courses full of hope, plans, and enthusiasm that met with failure after failure and one disappointment after another. So now you're jaded. Now you don't want to believe anything. Now, I don't, I don't care, and so you're that person who will just always live in this little box. You're going to get the tiny little house because it's what you can afford. You're going to have, ride the tiny little car because it's what you can afford, and you're going to keep it to your, to, right into your senior years. You're going to go to work, hit your clock, come home, you're done. You, if anybody comes to you with an idea, the first offense you have is rejection, and your rejection Is based on your historical experiences. Yeah, well, I remember when, and I tried this, and I did that. You never forgive yourself for having faith. You will always punish yourself for having faith. You'll always punish your faith for the rest of your days because you don't understand the value and the worthwhileness of failure or setbacks. So now you have told your soul, new idea, new opportunity, shut it down. Those are the people you don't want on your boards. They're the people you don't want in your strategy sessions because those are the people who will keep telling you that their experience is contagious and it will happen to you. I thought you'd appreciate that because distress and disappointment are contagious and they go viral in a minute. Let somebody t- if somebody's story is sad enough, Tragic enough, unless you are born of a different fabric, a different ilk, that person's disappointment will become your infection and it will become your contagion. So let's just let's look at this. If you look at the, the screen and now this is one of the slides that would be in your class if you were in our class. You would have to literally examine and dissect that entire thing, and you would compose the state or the profile of your own soul if you're honest. And many times you're not dishonest as much as you are defensive. I don't want anybody to know I was taken out like that. I don't want anybody to know that this is going on in me. The problem is this, the problem is, Dysfunction always needs deception, and then it always needs a disguise. See, because that's, remember, let's go back to the burden. The number one burden was what? Ego. Remember that emotional weight? Ego. So ego is always trying to present its best version of itself, because to do anything less it feels will cost it ground. It will lose ground. So if you look at this, Let's look at the soul's outer shell. So, when you look at that, the word—believe it or not—the word um, "soul" in the outer, as far as the outer shell, soma, which is if the scripture uses soma, which is somatic, how the body works, body and bodily. So, everything that we do. And I, I, last night I watched some wonderful, um, wonderful. Uh, what do you call them? I guess it's teachings on uh, on Amazon. But I realize that we will, you will never be healed if they stay at your body. Right. It's hard. Now, we, because most times we call the soul the body, and it isn't. The body is the soul's sheath. It's covering. It's machine. It's mechanism. It is not your life, which is why your body goes back to the dust. Yeah, and I love it when people say, well, I just don't, I don't really believe that. If your body dies and goes back to the dust, tell me why it died. What killed it? Well, it was a bad eating. It's a bad, yeah, but something signaled bad, your body to die from bad eating when someone else's body thrived. And they don't look any better than you. They don't work out. See, the soul answers the, the enigmas, the puzzling, perplexing mysteries of life. If you understand this, then you realize that it is in your hand. So we look at that. We're talking about your, the, it's indispensable body surface. So your soul out, souls out of You need your body for earth. You don't need your body for eternity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if your soul is treated properly and healthily, your body will be healed it will be strong that I mean I, I do prayer lines over the last I don't know however long I've been in ministry I've done prayer lines and when I lay hands I know the person is gonna get healed and I know the person who won't because that's the person who's holding on to all of that disappointment so all the laying hands in the world all of the prayer lines in the world going from powerful minister to powerful minister means nothing because you need to go to the power source which is your spirit and you need to go to your maker your maker made your soul to function a particular way, and the world deformed it. And if you don't, don't face those, those, that, that, that deforming, that, those things that are wrong, if you don't do that, your soul won't be healed. So as long as you keep saying, uh-uh, that's not me, denial, stronghold of soul sickness. The more you deny, the more you lie the more you lie, the more the reason your soul was born in iniquity, shaped in iniquity, and conceived in sin, be, you know, keeps its grip on your existence. Mm-hmm. You have to, the first thing you have to do, which is, is so important, because the first thing you have to do, the Bible tells you, is confession. Mm-hmm. The one thing we don't want to do is confess. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Satan built a whole legal system, a whole judicial system about you never confessing. Well, you know, if you say you take ownership of that, if you say you did that, then they can sue you. And you don't want that. So you live a lie. And your soul is made in truth, and it is your lie detector. Yeah. And it keeps saying, uh-uh, that's not, no, that's not, me. mm-mm, no. And how do you know your soul is done? Because it keeps, it keeps talking to you in your sleep. Mm-hmm. You keep getting these dreams that don't mean anything. You want to call them prophetic, okay. and they're not. They're pathetic. That means from your pathos. They're pathetic from your pathos. Your suffering. So your soul's suffering. It's it's moving in self defense mode. It's moving in self survival mode. It's moving in, in in a way so you won't let it. You won't let it do its job. You keep commanding it to produce hormones a chemical that will ride with your lie but will ultimately convert what it produces. So eventually it'll stop talking to you. But that doesn't mean it stops acting and reacting. It just stops conveying. It stops communicating. So in our thing, we, we have what I call the soul, I, I love this part, don't you, the soul, um, soul study. You must study your own soul. And it, when I show you these passages, it'll make sense. So you have to know what's happening in your soul, and you can. David did not understand what was, what was happening in his soul until he, what, until he sinned, until he violated mm-hmm. his, com- his uh, created construction. And he did that through a conscience. Your soul will tell you the, the conveyor of your soul's essence, perspective, is the conscious. Your consciousness, your consciousness has to say it. I'm trying to get this right. So, number one, you, you have to always answer what's happening, why is it happening, and what to do about it. You have to, you can do this. Now, ideally you'll do it with a partner, like an advisor or coach or something, but if you are a person of honesty, if the spirit of truth is in you and the spirit of Christ is there, you will, God will show you. Many times when you do it in the moment, he tells you, and you brush him off like, a, like an insect. You just brush, you know, you brush him off. So when we talk about the biological, biotic elements, we're talking about the biological you, we're talking about your an, uh, uh, anatomy, the plasmic, that, that plastic, that, that thing that spreads it all out so that it all, everything is in your blood. I was excited about what I watched last night when it's talked about the hormones that every part of us runs on hormones. Well, Jesus said that. Mm-hmm. He told us that. You know, he told us about the flow, that diffuses, the fra- diffuse. what is that? The fragrance of Christ. He made all of those statements. But he also said that so, so the soul is literally the hormonal part of that life, mind, liver, all of those major organs. And, and, and those hormones, he, the man said it was like we operate on like 80 hormones. I don't know what we gonna, where we're going to get the other 77. I have no idea. But you know I'm going to get them. And if we don't, if my, uh, my job, my task, my mandate, is to see to it that people understand that your soul can be in your control, and however you control your soul determines your afterlife. That's what this is all about. That is why I keep saying, as the maker made it, because when your body goes back to the dust, your soul, bless you, Jesus Christ, your soul goes back to the maker and along with your spirit. They are a unit. So it's kind of like, Think about when a, when a uh, rocket takes off. A rocket takes off, it hits a certain point, what does it do? It, right, it sheds its outer shell. So it can go up because it has, to, it has to rise with what's conducive to its purpose, its mission. Your body is like that. When you die, your body just leaps, but your soul and your spirit go back to God's realm, because they were not created in this realm. So your soul and body were not created on earth, which is why it has an obligation to the Almighty in the afterlife. If I get time, I will read you the paragraph that I have on that in my new book. So, so when we talk about it, the integrity, the natural animate, but biotic, not pneumatic, Biotic, not pneumatic, because your spirit is pneumatic, but your soul is biotic and your body is biological. You have to understand that part because all this stuff that you're doing for your body, if it's still, if you're not handling the issues of God, the issues of life, it doesn't matter. You just look good in your deterioration. All right, so you're a size 10, and you want to look at all of the folks who are size 20, and you want to talk to them or talk about them, but their soul is keeping them in a sense of wholeness. As a matter of fact, you look at them and wonder, well, how come you don't feel bad about looking bad? Because in my eyes, you look poor, you look bad because you've made your body bear the burden of your soul. When you think about all of these people who are exercising like crazy, dropping dead at young ages, that is because they were putting a stress on their body that was damaging their soul. Because all the all the physical exercise in the world will not do anything useful with the righteousness codes of the almighty oh, wow. see sin is not did not begin moral it was not a moral thing and we we deal with sin as if it's moral it is not it's flaws. it's fault it's fragility it's susceptibility to all of that we talked sunday when we talk i talked about does anybody remember you remember sunday i talked about what fatality, fatality. Lethal and lethal and flaws. and flaws Flaws, faults, fatalities Your soul is, comes into the planet fatal, doomed to die So everything in this world, which is dead is, will, will begin to lead it to that death course Now we, we often hear people say, well, you know, I just don't But yet, yet you, you talk about your soul You don't believe it, but you talk about why? Because your, your, your being is smart enough to know that it's three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And so when you look at this, what your, what, you, what your spirit gives your soul is to give you life. What your body gives your soul is to pervert that life until you understand the righteous codes that God uses to keep you alive. Scripture says righteousness tends to life. And that's not, not all theologic. That's not all religious. Righteousness tends to lie. In other words, if you want to live, do right. <laughs> there you go. That there is a righteousness that brought your soul, you and your soul, into existence that we must teach you. That is what, why religious religion is so frustrating, because it teaches you all the... The mannerisms, it teaches you behaviors, it teaches you everything but the psyche, the consciousness. Mm -hmm. And you have to go from consciousness to cognizance to character. Mm Character is the imprint on the soul. Mm -hmm. Isn't that something? And all of those together speak to how God constituted you to live. It's the righteousness that we have. Sin is, we we say sin is a transgression of the law. Yeah. That's sin on earth, but sin didn't originate in earth. Sin originated in God's realm, which means it originated spiritual first, because yes. mm. in God's realm, they're spiritual. So spirit beings began to exhibit and then eventually exude codes, life, that was contrary to what the creator is and did, and began to spread that death was because they counteracted God's life. That happened in the spirit realm. And so we have Jesus saying it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Now, if he says that and he made it all, he probably should know that your body's not going to keep your soul alive. As a matter of fact, Proverbs says that. It says not one of you all can keep your soul alive. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 4.12 tells us. Does anybody remember? Soul and spirit, joint and marrow. The joint and marrow is that physical part that is affected by the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Mm -hmm. The more we, took, we, the more we took people away from the law of life, the principles of life, the codes of life, and all of that kind of stuff, the more their soul deteriorated. I mean, there are times that you listen to what comes out of people and you're like, ooh, mm, wow. And they're, and they're happy because, you know, a poor salesman is going to make you enthusiastic about a bad deal. <laughs> and you're, once you're invested in that deal, you become a defender of your decision. Mm-hmm. So all of this pushback that we see from church and all of that, that's because Satan made people happy about wrenching themselves from Christ mm-hmm. and bashing faith and bashing moral, uh, God's righteousness, bashing Scripture. He made you happy about that. You, say, you start saying Jesus and people are ready to pull out a sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Because he knows how he infected, virally affected God's creation. He knows what works. He understood. And and since everything is beginning with the Word, that should be it. Now let's look at this one, and I just want you to know when we start talking about emotional intelligence, this is pretty powerful, isn't it? Mm -hmm, It talks about pragmatic wisdom, positivity, a sense of purpose. People are still running around talking about their purpose. So in other words, your, your, your lack of purpose feeds into or deteriorates your emotional intelligence. You don't know why you're here. I don't know why I'm here. Okay? We have internal impulses, external impulses. we got your cognitive empathy because God says that your heart has an intelligence. It has its own wisdom and its own intellectual infrastructure. We got, we're talking about traits, sense and sensibility, attitude. We're talking about appetency, big one, appetites, big one. That is more, uh, more involved in how you are addicted than anything else. Your taste buds, just to make it interesting, your taste for, your experiences. I like movies. You know, I watched something recently. I, was, I guess I don't even know how I did it, but they said, well, you know, do you like movies? Yeah, I like movies. Do you like any movie? No, I have a favorite, but I like movies so much I'll watch any kind. Mm-hmm. See, that's appetency. And then projected app, app, uh, attributes, verbal skills, your social intelligence, which is different from your personal intelligence and your ego's intelligence. We, we, we role play for people. You know, we give our ego different commands for public life. Oh yeah. We give our ego different mandates for various social environments. For, for example, social media created a different type of appetite, but also mandates for human interaction. No longer touch. We took that tactility out and now it's about experience. Mm-hmm. Sure. So we, as you can see, we have a lot going on. Adaptability, common sense, emotional uh, empathy, self-control, important. Your sentiments, sensile, and then your sentiments. Now, I have, uh, in one of my units, I talk about emotional honesty and then understanding your emotional uh, archive and its thesaurus. You know, the source is a treasure chest. But you have to understand that there are certain things that you know intellectually are wrong, but your sentiments mm-hmm. won't let you let it go. Yeah. Because there's a belief and value system, in particular, a belief and value reward system mm-hmm. that means more to you than what you're risking and, and what is becoming a threat to your existence. Wow. You know, now, again, let's take social media, let's take today's culture, and we have what? We have the whole internet dating thing. Let's look at that. Or the bar bar hopping. Now, from a child, you've been told, don't go with strangers. Mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. Right. Haven't you?
1: And yet, you will go in the back of your car, have sex with somebody you don't know. You don't know if they wash, shave, you don't know if they put bugs on themselves or anything. Mm -hmm. But Hey, you've got to, your sentiments must comply with culture for you to feel part of the modern world. So you will do a whole lot of at-risk things just to conform to culture. And then you have it, well, gee, that was really good. Oh, they're pretty good at that. I'll take them home. Take you home. You take them home. Now you want the repairman to show you an ID card?
3: Come on! Come on! on. (laughs) Don't
1: you? I need the repairman to show me an ID card. (laughs) I need the repairman's company to call me and tell me they're coming. (laughs) Detective, come to the door. You looking at the badge, talking about it's fake.
3: <laughs>
1: yet you can take somebody that you had two drinks with to your house yeah. with no identification. Mm-hmm. What was his name? He said it was Bob. What was her name? You know what? We didn't even get into that. We just got into it.
3: Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, that's
1: true. You. you take strangers to your house, or you go to hotels with strangers, you don't, and, and you don't get to know them, you don't vet them, you don't care. Not to mention the fact that even if you did ask the right questions, they'd lie because the entire institution is based on deception. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's based on the ego refacing itself mm-hmm. and reinventing itself for the moment. Now, think in your sentiment file says this is worth the risk and you know what it is the fantasy and the fantastical movie language that you have become brainwashed by well you know you can't be alone why not what's going to happen to you if you're alone are you going to explode if you know
3: what
1: what's going to happen to you if you go out to have dinner at a restaurant alone I mean, what is waiting for you? What's the boogeyman of aloneness? You, 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 why? Well, think about it. We need to find your boogeyman. What's, What's going to happen if you don't sleep with a bunch of strangers? Think about it, because that's what your sentiments are ruling your intelligence. So your mind is saying, no. Uh, no, Mm-mm, that's not safe. They don't they'll even drop different statements to give you hints and clues as to what they really are who they really are. And you know what? By then, that spirit that has facilitated and energized, if you will, your sexual lust has, gone, has come on duty. Hey, I'm on duty. I'm up. Wow. And as a result, you're risking your well-being not to mention all of the things that you're taking into yourself, your sentiments. The same thing about why you can't tell the truth. Pathological liars, they are they, pathological, pathological liars deceive people to appease their soul. The trickery, there's a, there's a delight in the trickery. So there's an appetite to, to know that you're making people think what you want them to think. You're causing people to react according to your stimulus, according to your signals. You don't realize that. So there is that whole thing. Remember, the soul is a logical entity because it was made by the logos of God. So it can logicalize anything. Because out of the heart, Jesus said the the literal commanding Issue or commanding source is your heart. Out of the heart becomes murders and thefts and likes and dislikes. Out of your heart are the issues of life, and those issues of the soul become tissues in your body.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And then we talk about character, trait, uh, character traits, personality, and emotional quotient, sense of identity. And that is the number one thing. Without an identity, you are vulnerable to anything. And fantasy takes advantage of the fact that we come into the world without a sense of identity. And if you have parents or don't have parents, that sense of identity will cause you to be susceptible to anything. And and, and when we talk about people who take advantage of it, they have an amazing discernment who have no identity, identity-less people. I don't care if it's your 3-year-old, your 16-year-old, whatever. I made it a point in my, as my daughters were growing up to give them an identity. My daughter today, Chief Prophet Tyler, we got together every week on Wednesday for dinner and identity. Let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you why you are. Let me tell you how it works. Every day, I made her know. Why? Because I had to give her language to counter our peer pressure. I had to give her terms and articulate her res- resistance to following the crowd or resistance to the herd. I would never let her have that herd mentality. And if you're in my church, I'm going to do the same thing. No, we're not like that church. No, don't bring that. No, Mm-mm. no. If it works for my daughter, it's going to work for my church. <laughs> I talk to you nonstop, do I not, about identity because the one thing that will keep you from being fooled by fantasy is your clear identity of yourself as a being in the planet, as God's offspring, and as a person of society. So when people fight me, because there are people like, I'm sorry, but you're not changing me. If your life was working so well, why are we here? Okay? (laughs) God. Saved you to change you I was what Shaped in iniquity And in sin did my mother conceive me So he, he Gave you all new Spiritual equipment A whole new Spiritual energy force The nuclear energy of your soul Is your new creation spirit So that it could steadily And systematically change your soul Into what would Cause your body to be regulated by it and not a host of external and foreign Circumstances or agents So we did I, made, my, I taught us thinking One of the things that you don't do is teach your, your children critical thinking You don't teach them to think critically so, and, and so therefore anybody who emotionalizes them becomes their critical intelligence wow. I want to be like my friends when your kids start talking about needing to be like your friends, you need to start having identity classes. That's just my thought. It works here. And, I mean, and not all of your children will do it. And some of them may not do it when they're young, but you sow it anyway, so that when they get older, it will be there for them. When you're not around them. A, a critical thinking was big in my house. You had to know what words meant. You had to know what, how words become things and things become actions or things become big. And I, had to, I, I did that. I'm telling you that a lot of you all, you listen to Spock who started telling you that your children ought to raise you right? Children right. They ought to raise you right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at television now. The children are raising the parents. I told them, I'm sorry, that's a movie, that's a fantasy. Mm-hmm. See, that, that, that's TV child rearing. They're paid to look weak. Mm-hmm. They're paid to look thoughtless. Television pays these actors to make parenting look Feeble, ignorant, and submissive to something that's 10 and 12 years old. I'm like, you still sitting at my table? Mm -hmm. You eating my food? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, baby girl, you cannot tell me. All you know is your 12 years of life, and seven of them you didn't know anything. So you're going to give me your five years, and you're going to pit that against my 35, 40, and 50 years. I need you to understand, sweetheart, you're a kid. There's a reason why we said stay in a kid's place. On the one hand, we'll tell you that the kids' judgment center doesn't finish, doesn't develop until they're 25, 30. But then on the other hand, we got a 12-year-old telling you who to
3: date.
1: How are you going to tell me about dating and mating? I can't even get you to spell those words in spelling b. Can't get you to get a B in class, and yet you got an A in life. All five years of it. You haven't even, I mean, we haven't even got your hormones working. Uh, no, no, <laughs> So I'm going to say this. To, to address a 3D, soul distressed to success restoration pro, uh, project, I want you to know we call it a project because it is not a process, a collection of processes that come under the heading of a, pro, a project. And what is that project? Your journey from soul dependency to soul liberty. You talk about there are a lot of you all are dependent on people. You the, the reason you can't obey, obey God because you're dependent on what Mama said, what Daddy said, what this one said and that one says, and, and what your spouse said. Now your spouse has been wrong about the last sixteen things. You're in a house you hate, Come on. driving a car you can't Come stand. On. Uh Is that all right?
3: right.
1: Living in a neighborhood that you wouldn't have chosen in your most convoluted state of mind, but all of a sudden when it comes to God, your spouse got it right. Think differently to live powerfully. I'm here to make you think differently about your soul. To address the human soul in any way is a massive undertaking. Because the soul is immaterial, untouchable, and invisible, that's my people, isn't it? what, what my? Tribe is. Oh, so
3: funny.
2: Like you just said can't can't what you're coming on can't get you to get a B in class that you have a A in life. She said, "Could you please come repeat that to my students sitting in this classroom right now?"
3: <laughs> 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 oh,
1: I'm telling you. Because the the, the gap between see and say is experience, not just exposure. We are teaching these kids that exposure equals experience, and it doesn't. You know, a lot of these young people that you're having issues with as your leaders, that's because they are overexposed and underdeveloped. So their exposure is trading as experience. I want you to get that. So to go back, To address the soul, the human soul in any way, is a massive undertaking because the soul is immaterial, untouchable, and invisible. Answers regarding addiction, this answers uh, addiction or other soul bondages and enslavement. Penetrating the soul's substances and contents explains 3D's views on soul issues and how differently they work. Because healing a soul has to be a calling since it is the soul's chief place in human architecture and its hierarchy design. So when you think about it, it's a massive undertaking and attempting to explore it even superficially is a brash endeavor as the soul is immaterial, untouchable, and invisible to the naked eye. Despite all of this, it nonetheless consumes the attention of nearly everyone alive and imposes its acuteness on all creatures. To answer the vast reasons for addiction or other soul bondages and enslavement, quarrying the human soul at the outset is inescapable because everything that happens to the human body is engineered by the soul and all that occurs in and through it is infused by its spirit. Two facts that epitomize the brilliance of immersive soul healing and the restoration process you are about to experience. Penetrating the soul's substances and contents explains how and why 3D views soul's issues differently because healing a soul has to be a calling since it is the soul's chief place in, uh, uh, in human architecture and its hierarchical designs unknown to many the soul, uh, to many soul treaters, the soul has its own biotics that rest on the immaterial anatomy, neurology, chemistry and dispensaries that keep the whole thing alive, all of which are antibiotically synthesized, which means God has, we have your body's anatomy. We have your nervous system's neurology. All of these began in your soul. Mm -hmm. And I can say that because I keep taking us back to the fact that, this is important, the soul was the last thing God breathed into Adam. Mm-hmm. And if he had never breathed into Adam, the Lord would be visiting Eden back and forth, looking at this wonderful corpse that he made, the way a, an artist keeps admiring the dead statues they make. Mm-hmm. 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 The soul being breathed into Adam to cause him to become a living soul. Meaning the body didn't matter. The body was just for earth contact, just for earthly existence. And had Adam not fallen, he would have gotten the Christ body that Paul is prophesying in First Corinthians 15. Does this help you all? Because as long as you keep thinking that it's your body that is your your physical this and your physical that, that is the culprit, you will not appreciate the fact that your body is telling your soul to compound things that will satisfy it but will not keep it alive, will not make it whole or keep it whole. So when you taste, if you go out to the restaurant, you taste this wonderful food. Isn't this great? This is lovely. This is now my new favorite meat. This is my new favorite diet. And you, and you command your soul to alter your appetency machine to accommodate it, even though it made you sick three hours later. But it tastes so good. So you keep, you, because and what, what do people tell you? Just keep going, just keep doing it, keep doing it, until something alters your physiological makeup or your chemical makeup to accept it because you want it. Classifying the soul as a being uh, makes 3D sometimes contradict, in some cases, eradicate traditional soul definitions and, doctr- and doctrines, be they biblical, psychological, or metaphysical, which means, you know, life. Um, synthesizing energy, what invigorates the body's anatomical biotic functions. I just described that. God breathes into Adam's nostrils. The breath of life Breath of life Did you know it wasn't earth's breath of life It was eternity's breath of life It was his maker's breath of life And with that came the blood And with the blood came all of the other Chemistries and all of the other Hormones and all of the other uh, Energies Serums, cells You name it, they all came with the blood Which is why the blood is so important, and it's tied to everything. When I was watching this th- last night, I thought about they were talking about the hormones and how he was describing it, and the guy was just such a great teacher. can't even tell you his name. Though. I don't even, you know, he was so good. I just got <laughs> caught up with what he said. <laughs> so, um, But the way he described it, it was like the, the blood is this massive, massive, and I mean massive multidirectional transit system. And he said what the hormones do is they just hop on the blood and just go where they're needed, Mm. and then hop off and go do it again. Mm. And I said, and and he didn't say it like that, but that's how I saw it. I said, so your hormones, he said, hormones will not go where they don't belong. They will not rest where they don't belong. They will not try to help if they are not conformed or constructed to help. Mm. (laughs) Mm. So if it's meant to... If, if, if this is meant to go to the heart, if, I'm, I'm sorry the lung's doing badly. Ooh, it's unfortunate.
3: <laughs>
1: okay, but hey, listen, coming down the line, the next the next delivery, we're going to drop this off.
3: <laughs>
1: well, I thought about that, and as I thought about it, it was very interesting because I thought about, when, I, I keep going back to that the body that God made, as beautiful as it was, it was a corpse. And it never became anything until his breath, which carried their soul. Can you imagine the phenomena of that? His breath. He controlled his breath so it didn't breathe out, you know, something else. It doesn't even say he breathed in the nostrils of the animals, and yet they were animated by his touch. All of the animals... And when God made him, it doesn't say how he gave him life. I don't know if anybody ever been touched by Jesus, but if you've been touched, you kind of can answer that question yourself personally. <laughs> you know, like, mm, ah. The man's full, I mean, full of power, nothing but this this, um, uh, uh, this scary energy. And so it doesn't say how he but he said he literally made Adam And this is the Almighty. And he breathes on him. He breathes into his nostrils. And the entirety of his soul and the entirety of his spirit, which is fused with his own spirit, enters the body. I don't care how deep a scientist you may be. I bet you my answer explains it better than yours. I'm telling you, the soul is the fullness of what the spirit dumps and the body draws. Mm. <laughs> the soul is the fullness of what the spirit dumps or dispenses and the body draws and uses. And the soul doesn't need the body, but the body needs the soul. Yeah. But you might appreciate that. Did you all appreciate that? Mm-hmm. I think you might like this. To say the human soul begins its journey into this world traumatically is an understatement that resonates throughout its lifetime. Upon entering life, the human soul encounters distress more immediately and frequently than it does success. Entering the physical sensations such as entering with the physical sensations such as fear, anger, hunger, and discomfort the moment it leaves the, room, the womb, from the sperm that deposited its life into the egg that conceives and fleshes it out, the soul enters the world fragile and sorrowful. Why is a baby born giggling? Why does a baby come out shrink, shrieking? I mean, terrified. Right like this. Now, we don't know what that, that baby experienced in the womb, but why doesn't it come out singing? Humming. It doesn't. It comes out terrified, shrinking. It's cold. The glaring light is is blinding it, and it's hungry because we've severed it from its on-demand feeding. Day one of its incarnated existence delivers it to a series of shock waves that impress life's harsh realities on it. Flinching at the glaring light, it meets exiting the womb. bodily discomforts that replace its warm, cozy environment welcome it to life on Earth. The reason these are being described here is not to rehash what is already known about, um, about life on Earth, but to emphasize the disturbing soul shocks newborn infants feel from birth that initiate the first of a life, of lifelong trauma imprints on their soul, not dismissing, not dismissing the waves of upset it endures outside of it. A soul treater can do, excuse me, a physical health practitioner can readily observe physical distress of the body. A soul treater can do the same with the part of you that no one escapes. The reason is the soul talks, goes compels and silences, almost at will. When and where did it all start? In the womb, at your birth. The kicking babe that keeps mother up at night, the screaming infants whose screams must be interpreted, the toddler that can neither be still nor safeguard itself are all motivated by the soul. And yet, child-rearing rarely considers it, focusing more on the mind and thoughts, taking the feelings for granted or as a, a nuisance experience that comes along with being human. Child-rearing mostly dismisses what impels their youngsters from the inside out. We have it, which is why we're here today, because we thought the brain was king. The, the mind is it, and we call, often say the soul is the mind. The soul is the mind and the heart. And we don't realize that in God's world, it's a whole being. So this is our Soul Sunday, Soul of Success. It's an excerpt from there. Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As, so what we think we are in our heart, that's why identities are so important. It's important that you shape your child's identity. When they come home and said, I want to be like so-and-so, don't let that rise. When they come and they watch television and and they want to be like this or that, you don't have to let that ride. Now, if it's a healthy thing, God bless you, go with it. But if it isn't, or if it's something that you know is causing them to think less of themselves and too much of their fantasy or what they admire, then you need to halt it. In our 3D book, is this all right? We have, I've dealt with the premise. Let me find my sticky because, you know, I did make some dog ears because this is I think this is very important for parents to understand um, page 46 for you to check 46 emulation and aspiration can foster addictions uh, that presents itself as more appealing than the Lord's when uh, lead ends up addicting its admirers Many young people fall prey to addiction this way. Some of them so admire a certain lifestyle that they conform, conform their own life to it, to emulate it. If some sort of dependency is part of it, like alcohol, drugs, perversion, or pleasure-seeking, the, the admirer adopts it all as well to imitate the object of their fascination. Another way addiction enters is through the union of the gullible with an addictive character or relationship. This is when an ordinarily overlooked person comes to the attention of a venerated figure in the world. This can be a mentor, a love interest, or a role model. How the adored figure lives first tantalizes the admirer who slavishly emulates their ways. If dependency is a factor in that admiration, the impressionable soul will fall victim to its captivity. Any one or combination of these possibilities can be ascribed to the power to draw a soul into bondage to a doomed God. Now, psychology says they're supposed to want to be whatever. Don't they tell you that? It's healthy for them to think everybody's more important than they are. It is part of the nurturing process for them to begin to, like whatever the world offers On its buffet of illusion In the end, the child ends up confused Now, do I tell you, you wanna, Do you like this color? You like red, baby, go with red That's a phase. For wanting to change your entire Inner and outer appearance to another being That's how we ended up with gender confusion yeah.
3: come on, come
1: on. See, this, this, this generation was primed For gender confusion yeah. Yeah. Through peer pressure through fantasy, through admiration, emulation, so that you come here. The kid, your child, wants to be anything but who they. Are. I hate myself. Why? Well, because it's not like because they don't tell you to hate themselves because of something individual. Right. It's because of something comparative, something enviable. And envy is the. I mean, when I tell you, envy is the stronghold of. Self-hatred. You want to hate yourself? Start looking at somebody else and realizing that they have everything you wish you were, and you don't even know why you wish it. Did you all appreciate that? Yeah. So I want to just give you a couple more before I take you to the last pages of this. The compulsory, this is page 47, the compulsory plight of the sorrowful soul. The mysterious bil- bil- villain, excuse me, in most addictions is hope deferred. A lengthy discussion unmasking this culprit comes later in your deliverance process. However, at the outset, you should know that addictions mask sorrowful emotions and treat soul damage with compulsory acts or behavior. When the cause of the pain is not delayed hope or constant disappointment but rather the result of a trauma or abuse that seeks to be relieved. Deferred hope may be strictly tied to the need to relieve the soul's ache to cease reliving the ordeal that caused it. Notice the use of the word relieved instead of healed. This alteration is is deliberate to differentiate the temporariness of the addiction from the permanence of deliverance. Remember this distinction as you go through the three-day process. You should know emphatically that the two are entirely different, with the word permanence being the determining factor. When soul damage is caused by an assault, abuse, or trauma, the answer to its anguish is some kind of obsession. A fixation or fascination is born out of a despair initiated by some or many disappointments. It is true that everybody has some sort of obsession that helps them temper soul pain and manage life's upsets. It is when the obsession consumes the thoughts and drives the impulses to oppose your well-being and fruitfulness in life that they take on a health unhealthy effect. In this case, they inhibit your free will's ability to function as required and instead compel you to focus on things detrimental to your personal security or stability, like the one nice thing with strangers. These, as far as God is concerned, go right to the heart's archives that place where sorrowful memories related to unsettling issues and incidents are cataloged and submerged. Now, I just want one, there's more to that, but I'll let you read it in your book. Would you like to read it in your book? Absolutely. I know you do. All right. All right, page 59. Uh, There are two
3: pages
1: here, page 53. And page 59 And then I'll take you to the end um, To the rest of this I only have a few minutes So we we'll have to go on The power of emotional disappointment Now I was on um, I'll be on Janice's show Janice Pons From Destruction to Dignity And we went through this And the Lord keeps saying that Because addictions are intelligence, I am gifted I'm granted, grace by him to give you some intelligent thoughts to consider when managing your soul's enslavement. Mm-hmm. Because every soul is susceptible to enslavement. That's what Adam bought us in the garden. But every soul does not have to submit to its captor. We can learn to recognize our captors. We can learn to resist our captors. We can anticipate them and, and alter behaviors or, for example, begin to listen to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and your new creation spirit. Your new creation spirit will say, now, don't go there. No, no, don't turn down there. Okay? And you know she said, but I'll be late for work. So the, your, your new creation spirit said, say, well, okay, here we go. All right, so gear up because we didn't ready to go through this because we know what's around that corner because we've heard it from the Spirit of God that's also resonant in you. Not just resonant, resident. So this on page 53, disappointments, a power of emotional disappointment. Disappointments crush expectancy, and if repeated or extensive enough, they stifle hope. Soul sorrow is a response to deeply submerged reactions to disappointment. An ongoing dynamic inwardly resolves the anger, wrath, embarrassment, offense, or other negative emotion caused by a painful, threatening, or infuriating incident. Deserved or not, the heart reacts to anything that is discordant with its whims or vows, its peace or pursuits. A masterful repository, the human heart registers and reacts to everything that penetrates it, which is why the Lord tells us to guard it with all diligence. The human heart is the conductor of the soul that is designed to prevent or relieve emotional discomfort and seek remedy for whatever affects it. The heart's defenses respond to be somewhat like the white blood cells in the body that immediately go to work soothing physical wounds. It is at this point the addiction option gets it start because resolving emotional hurt and sorrow takes priority over all else in the emotional self. The cards and wills depict your emotional apothecary's results, how they respond to it, to inseminate your addiction and afterward justify its maintenance. Does this speak to you all? And then lastly, now that's only a couple of paragraphs. You have to buy, you have to buy the book. Do we have the book? It's somewhere. We got it on so many places. I know we have it on the site. We have it. It's on Amazon. We have it. We just have it. Okay. Here's something. Page fifty nine. I think would. Um. We would have. uh, You would appreciate it. The disguise. Earlier, two inner turmoils of the sorrowful soul were identified as alienation and isolation. On the surface, the sorrowful soul appears happy, alert, and well-composed. This demeanor is genuine until the real or imagined threat to its security surfaces. Then all sorts of flags, bells, and whistles go off to set in motion the elaborate machine concocted to protect the emotions and shield the heart from its deepest fear, which is disappointment. How does it show up? The dreaded disappointment panic shows up um, disguised as risky or risque behavior patterns, rigid decisions, irrational choices, and uncontrollable and often illogical pushback when emotional dangers surface, especially the familiar ones. Under these circumstances, the submerged emotional operating system monitoring the feelings is aroused. Any one or combination of the signatures just mentioned sound the alarm and sends the soul's defenses into full alert. Touchiness, disagreeableness, dissension, and arguments are the first responses. These are followed by distrust, accusation, criticism, and obstinacy. The last one, obstinacy, is the shutdown as the person's emotional doors and gates slam shut. Why did I say this? So that you can find yourself so that you can locate yourself, so that you can decide is this touchiness real or is it resonating? Is it resurrecting something? Is it, am I being disagreeable because my soul, my soul scars are guarding me, my soul scars are reacting, or is this a situation that I actually disagree with? And can I tell myself how and why? Almost done. Almost done. Let's go here. I will not go there because that won't help. So here's the last one. This is where the will part comes in. So intersective crossroads between the heart and your soul flows because your soul has its own confluence. That's a word you want to look up, not just dispensation. Sometimes we call something a dispensation when it's actually just a confluence. So your soul has its own confluence. So I wanted to look at this because I wanted you to see pathway one. Now pay attention to the screen because you want to see how this works. And John, or excuse me, forgive me. Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Do you understand that this? Passage of scripture lays and uh, uh, to me, I think, props up the entire pre- 3D objective. So the first pathway is what issues of life. The issues of life is kind of like that all-encompassing, all-inclusive. It's kind of like your, you know, the the um, your skin all around you, because everything in life in the natural world starts by p- pummeling your skin or penetrating your skin. But why does it affect your soul? Why does an external cut breach your soul? All of a sudden, and if you keep getting it, like the the kid with the abusive parent, that thing, after a while, your soul expects it. And because it expects it, because remember, it's a hope. Everything is about hope, even if that hope is distorted. So your soul, because it expects it, it begins to Compile things that will cause it to always react the same way And what happens is when you get older As we all do you, that, that soul still remembers because I have it in my file I have to compound something for your psychological stuff, Your mind and brain and nervous system To recover from it, to guard against it Or to overall treat it So those, those scars, I have a whole section in my book called Scars Guard We cannot talk about healing the soul of people if we don't understand that scar is gone. You know, scar tissue, I mean, in the natural, we're concerned about scar tissue. Well, your soul has its own scar tissue, but here's the difference. It creates a sort of a compound to make sure that, A, either it doesn't happen again, or, B, that the body's reflexes or the body's reaction are fully supplied with what it needs to survive it, to, come, to, to, to uncover it. So the first thing is that. And then the next one is pathway two, soul desires and deceits. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff that I don't care if your desire is I want to get out of here. I just want to get out of here. The average teenager, I just want to get out of here. It's irrational, but it's emotional. And most of your rationality will come from your emotions. Mm-hmm. Because everything, uh, the abundance of the heart, so everything comes. So when you backtrack that thing from the, the illogical way that you left, you left with a, a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, you left with a buddy, y'all have no money, you'll have, you've romanticized the fantasy, while wow, it's us against the world, all of that. So as you begin to backtrack that, all the way to when you said, when I get 18, I'm out of here. When you get 17, you begin to make a case for departing at 18. You make a soul case for departing at 18. So your soul begins to say it because your heart reminds you. Now, remember now, part of your 18th birthday gift from me is that you're old enough to be free. So you have to give that, and then the deceits. The case that you make are the deceits. That's when you pick fights with your family. You argue with your, your brothers and your sisters. You dislike your room. You won't come home on time. You'll do all of these things so that their reaction to your misconduct verifies that you should leave. And if a spiritual force is involved, that spiritual force is going to pick, kick up Problems. It's going to kick up arguments and dissensions. But all of that is because you have already wrote it in your heart, uh, clipboard, pri- priority list. Leave at 18. Be on my own. The problem is you left it in your emotions. You never filtered it through your intelligence. Come on. Come on. Come on. So your intelligence. Gets this strange memo that's intruding into everything that's going on. All of a sudden, your mind is like, what? What? Lee, we, uh-uh. No, we're trying to get you graduated from high school. Isn't that the journey we were on? We're trying to get you to, be, to get a good job. We're trying to get you to get over your anger. We're trying to heal the household. Your mind is like, what? But this heart thing is insistent, mm-hmm. and it, has, it pulls rank on your mind, which is why it changes your mind. Mm. See, it pulls rank Anybody here rank? rank? And so once it pulls rank The mind has to stop the course It was on The path that it was on And begin to shift on And now scrambling That's why you feel that We see the confusion Scrambling now to pull all of the resources And all of the facilities And utilities We need to tell the brain Break thought Shift you know, kind of like your GPS, new route, okay, new brain. okay. So now we're reprioritizing, and the brain is now having to do whatever it takes to give you the manual support for your behaviors, your initiatives, and your actions. And that includes everything. It includes your thoughts. It includes your 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 brain's opinions and judgments. It includes All of that. Your appetite, I don't want to eat at home any longer. You're getting ready to leave because you don't want to eat at home any longer. So you're eating out all the time. You're in everybody's house but yours. You're visiting everybody's house. You want sleepovers here, anything, because you have already vacated your place in your household. Your body just needs to catch up. All right, and, and then going on, do you see the brain is dripping in the brain? Isn't that wonderful? And then we have the next one, soul tears, tears, and tears. All of the reasons that cause you to come to this decision, legitimate or not, not, real or imagined, they are still part of that soul flow. And so this journey is going that way. And then lastly, pathway four, soul wounds and wants, soul wounds and wants. Did this, did this help you? Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you see the, this graph? So, and, and all of this here, this is, you know, your brain is feeding it down into this reservoir called your soul, and it's your soul's flow. And, and, and sometimes it's just, sometimes it's unjust. Sometimes, because when things are individualized or individuated and personalized, they don't have to make sense to the outside world because their duty is to satisfy and appease or defend and guard your inside self.
3: Oh, my.
1: We'll pick up with this next time. I have to say next time because I never know what God is going to do. <laughs> but if you want, in order to do this, I would suggest that you play it and listen to it again and again. When you listen to it the second or third time, take notes. Mm-hmm. Take your notes because your notes are important. And your notes are what God is doing to make the connections for you. Mm-hmm. So your notes are important. Don't think that it's just a matter of, well, I just, you know, that's what she said. No, no, listen to God. So you want to be in a quiet place. You want to be where you won't be distracted, and you want to take your notes and you want to, you know, study those notes. You want to focus on them, cogitate them, so that it moves from, from this experience into your consciousness. Because if we don't change your consciousness, if your consciousness is kind of like the entire uh, infrastructure that determines what, what you will and will not command your body to do and, and cause your soul to, to uh, compound in order for it to happen. That's very important. Now, so I would love, I know this is very technical. I want to take a few minutes to just get a couple of comments and some questions, and then um, we will listen to the, the, uh, the apostles and the prophets last. I hope you have something intelligent to say. <laughs> or at least I don't mind if you're critical, as long as it's critiquing. All right, let's do this. Only three? Um.
0: Good afternoon, Dr. Price. Thank you for this teaching. Um, when you were talking about um, God breathing the breath of life into Adam, it just made me have like a full vision of a corpse and that blood coming into your body and everything just starting to, the soul starting to, yes, open up. And I know you mentioned it before, but if that could be a movie in itself, I don't even think we will get past that. It'll be a movie for days and years and years and years. Because when science breaks it down and the cells and the hormones and the little things that go that turn on and off, it's just it's amazing. So thank you so much for that vision.
1: Powerful. I would love for it to be. I don't know if that little piece can make a whole movie, but it certainly (laughs) can make a little short who's
5: next oh okay thank you dr. price for this teaching uh when you were talking about the decisions and about the heart outranking your mind it really um gave me a lot of understanding um, and looking back to my childhood and my teenage years, because I was one of those that did, you know, leave home at a, at a young age. But the other part that helped me for now as an adult is when um, there's something that I have to do at work. And as a supervisor, um, this is someone who is above my rank and it having me do something new and now I'm able to look at my resistance to having to do that new project. Now I can look at what you know, why do I have these feelings about that? Is it really, you know, is it legitimate because it's something new that they're asking us to do? Or is this something that's going on with me from my own, you know, experiences in my own childhood? So I just thank you so much for this.
1: That is very good. And you know what's so good about it? The next slide in this, which I wasn't able to do because we ran out of time talks about how you can reroute your will. So hopefully, if, we, if the Lord is willing, we'll talk about the will, the human will next week. Who's next, the last one in the audience? Comments, feedback, thoughts? All right, well, then we're going to move to uh, you, Apostle Sally. And I wanna, since prophets are about the soul, I always want to hear the prophets.
4: Well, I any time I hear you talk about the soul, I'm just like almost up there with you, just trying to get all the way in. Like, You want to hear every detail because I believe that still when you hit this subject, it's not really heard a lot about the fact that the soul has, is its own person and that we need to understand it. But as you were talking, I, I got – attentive to the fact that we have to learn to give more attention to the soul than we do to our bodies we give a lot of attention to our bodies and our bodies have to come in alignment with what our souls really need to get better at so when we're not feeling well we're sick Get those souls well, and then you get your body well.
3: Mm-hmm. Well,
4: you've said this before, but today at this moment, like, bing, okay, let's just work on this. So I can appreciate that teaching. Again, every time that you do hit the soul, I believe it just changes us into what we need to be. Part of our identity is all shaped in what our soul gets right with, too, as well.
1: Amen. Amen. Prophet Angela. Profit powers the force.
5: Yes, ma'am. I really appreciated what you said about cogitation and project, uh, the 3D being a 3D project and not just a process but a compilation of processes. I noticed that sometimes with uh, newer 3D clients, they will come with the fantasy of the 3D experience being a tele-alter call. <laughs> and I even
1: <laughs> I couldn't have <laughs>
5: and I even had a client you know ask, say to me one time, "Well, I don't see uh what just talking about it is going to do to to help me." and I made the correlation that if God used words to build the world then he can use talking through and wording through what's going on with you to rebuild your soul and so what you said about the note taking about the uh, really taking the time to process all of this information is really extremely critical and people have to understand that in the project of making your soul uh, restored and converted and whole and all of the powerful things that we're learning and hearing there's a difference between your brain taking in information and you actually drawing the spirit of the knowledge of that information into your consciousness so that it'll actually begin to do um, that next level of what your picture is showing us of dripping in, flowing in, and and shifting your soul into another place that actually changes your life. And so a lot of times in the church, we've been trained to information gorge. You were talking about those addictions, but we often don't talk about our churchy addictions. Mm and how we disguise certain habits as you know righteousness and as going after God, when they're really just lazy ways of silencing the spirit of conviction mm. on the inside, Woo. right? And so we have so to- So go the prophets, <laughs> baby. There's some prophets, you, know, you, know, <laughs> you know, And so we do it to make ourselves feel good. You know, we came and listened to Dr. Price in the studio. Okay, but did you take the spirit of that knowledge and go and, and begin to work the spirit of that knowledge to
1: become what the information was released mm-hmm. for you to become. Amen. And, and, and you know, as, to, as far as the word goes, understand the Bible said Jesus cast out spirits with the word.
3: Yeah,
1: and that he spoke the word and healed them. Only send the word only. And it's because people don't know scripture, they have been, you know, this is the generation that never knew the Lord because they got new lords. They chose new gods. Their predecessors chose new gods. Um, and if anybody, if we have a question online, I'll take it. How about you or oh, comment? Chief. Okay.
0: Well, and I think that you handled that earlier so well when you made the analogy of you don't want words to just be words, but that you're how how words are optimized or used and turned into devices. You made the analogy between the words and the cell phone, like if you just looked at all the words on your cell phone, okay, that would be profitable to you. But watching them come into action and turn into a living organism or a living device, I think that's a powerful thing. I think the whole series can be summarized by something you said uh early on very powerfully and that is we cannot appreciate the way God saved our souls or had to save our souls Mm -hmm. if we don't understand how it's made because it it allows us to do what Prophet Angela just commented on you can then theorize and, uh, you know, religionize the entire experience because you don't understand the actual technological development and and construction of what God actually saved. We don't know what he saved. We Mm -hmm. thought it was our faith. We thought it was our belief system. But when you start going in and start talking about a biological process, there actually being a deficiency, a breach, that's different because then you you can equate it to a doctor going in and say, I removed your cancer. Mm-hmm. and you're now cancer-free. Mm-hmm. And so we don't see it that way because we've over-religionized, we've over-spiritualized, and I think that you bringing the technology of the construct of the soul will allow us to actually save souls. Because mm. we, you know, we have this save souls in
1: institution, and we don't know the first thing to do with a broken soul. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But I want, um, as, she's, as we're getting ready for her final statement, I want to give you four passages of Scripture for you to um, to just snap. Y'all can take a picture of it. Four, okay, five. Psalm 23, three, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. We just think that's a nice theoretical idea. You know, theological thing, righteousness. Not that righteousness means the right way of life or the way he rightly designed that code. Righteousness is also a code. It's a, a, you know, it's an algorithm. It's God's algorithm for the human soul, and then we have Psalm 19:7. The law of the Lord is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I gave you His testimony; you are wiser. Verse uh, John, third John 1:2. Beloved, wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul. Your soul is supposed to prosper you, which is why 3D rests on the premise that your talents can take you where your soul can't keep you. Philippians 2.12, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then Hebrews, but we are not of them who draw back to perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And Peter asked, the end of your faith is the saving of the soul. It's important that you have these. Keep these as, as your, your, your markers and your, your motivators for why you want to know about your soul, Apostle of the Future.
2: Uh, when you were talking about young people being overexposed but underdeveloped, being a developer of young people, knowing how important it is to take the time because development takes time. Mm-hmm. Exposure takes a second. That's real. You're you. Most of us were exposed to things in a moment in our lives that completely altered our lives, but developing takes time. Yeah. And you can't just throw things at young people and expect them to be developed. I remember years ago, people wanted us as staff, and they wanted to snatch this one from you and that one. And, and you told them they are not going to deliver for you like that
3: because
2: <laughs> no. I took time to develop my people. And a lot of leaders would sit down and say, well, I sit down with my leaders every week too. Yes, but are you developing them? Yeah. Or are you just throwing things out there? And, and working with uh, young people, adults, it's easy to think that when you're barking orders,
3: you're developing Mm
2: -hmm. or when you're lecturing hours on end lecturing somebody under the table that that's actually developing them Mm -hmm. which is why it's like you hit that certain tone and pitching your voice and what do they do Blank out. here we go okay wait for it to be over Mm -hmm. and I mean sometimes that's a hard-headed stubborn child but other times it's for a really logical reason like they need to be developed in certain areas and um, you know just wanting to push Young people into a certain direction is the easy response. It's easier for us. It's easier for adults to just say, but then to have to get in there with your hands and take the time and plan and, and whatever, and and just they're gonna make mistakes. They're gonna push back. They're gonna disagree. They're gonna dump it. They're gonna throw it back in your face, but still work through that development. I mean, didn't we all? Yes, <laughs> Is, you hear me just Which me. is why when we grow up, we're shocked. Mm-hmm. You know, parents are shocked at what the kids actually learn because they threw so much of it back in your face. Well, Mom, I mean, you did try. You tried. Mm-hmm. You, you could tell the smart, but you did no, try.
1: I, know,
2: I heard you. I know yeah. you didn't think I, I heard, heard, you, you, I heard, I heard just... you. I heard you. I heard you. I did. I just, you know, didn't care this mm-hmm. time I anyway. Mean, you know, and then all of a sudden, they're going to cry and break down, usually after they've had children that are nearly wrecking their <laughs> lives.
3: say, <laughs> I'm so
1: sorry for everything you tried to do to me.
2: But that exposure we do sometimes we think that exposing. How did you put up with me? How did you? And then that's when you say, "Remember, I tried not to.
1: <laughs> tried to I send you to, to your grandmother's, grandmother's. <laughs>
2: <laughs> every other weekend. Get out of this house because we need a break from you." All right, LaKeisha said. LaKeisha White said, "Amazing show today. Answered so many questions and really spoke to my journey of self-discovery.
1: Mm. I've got a lot of work to do. Thank you very much." Amen. I appreciate it. Thank you, Lakeisha, and it was good meeting you when you came here in Tulsa for my gala. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I want to tell everyone, listen again, share, 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 and listen again, and be honest with yourself under the microscope of the Almighty so that your soul can be healed. We, I mean, if you look at David's most agonizing moment was when he had to get his soul healed through the harm he caused. Yeah. So sometimes... Healing comes through your harming, and and it's you know it's all right. We can do that. So share it, share it with all you know. And obviously, uh, I think I earned a great seed today, oh, yeah. Yeah. amazing seed, because you know I didn't charge you for the therapy. <laughs> <laughs> the,
3: clinic
1: the clinic was open, and now you when you go to these advisors, may I encourage you to go to, prophetic-ed and decide if you feel like you want to take this further or you want to engage in the project of liberating your soul, then go to prophetic-ed and then say, I want to at least get a discovery call. You all you do discovery calls, mm-hmm. right? Okay. They still do discoveries, bless the Lord, because I didn't just write a book. I created an entire system that will support the book but also engages people to make it so anything this median involved, you probably want to know that there's some people that can help you. Come on. Come on. <laughs> you know, some people have been trained. So we have advisors. You know, we have, we have clients. They, you heard her talk about we have clients. So this is something that you think you would like to, to pursue for yourself. Excellent. If you think you would like to be an advisor, why don't you do the same thing? Just write a note. How could I get into your 3D advisor program? Because some of you may have, you know, be called of God to do it, and I need you to understand that it's a stringent program. This is not, see, this program does not care about your anointing. I just want you to understand, we don't roll on anointing. shit. Yeah, it's not, no, no, there's no osmosis happening here, okay? Holy Ghost is not just going to show up and say, hey, zap, his name is not Merlin. God has a lot of names. Merlin is not one. Wizard of Hell is not the other. So, but if you feel like this is something you'd like to be a part of and you want to learn how to do, hey, by all means, let us know. Again, sow a seed. I think that Rachel has it on the screen. We want you to get the article that we talked about and and get your 3-D book. Hey, get your drill. drill. You're going to need your drill. You're gonna need huh? Okay. So y'all turn your phones down, thank you. Um, put an earbud in. Okay, so get your drills and then get your hold one up. Get your word clouds. Because they too will help you. You're gonna love the soul word cloud and I know that if I drag my feet on it, Rachel's gonna aggravate me, so we'll have to today.
4: Uh,
1: <laughs> I love you all dearly. I thank God for you. We've done this a lot of years together, and I'm looking for a lot more years. But I am a person that that 100% believes that education is to produce a product. And I'm not the only one. Even as you pray about our education system and our country, product are they producing? Because that product is your future. And you're going to be a lot older dealing with that future, which means you'll be a victim of that future. So we'll talk about that another time. God, we give you praise. We give you honor and glory for who you are and all that you've done. Lord, I thank you for giving us this opportunity to restore our souls, to heal our souls, and Lord, to understand, giving us the intelligence and the wisdom to know how to at least be- get started, but most importantly, dear Lord, to understand what it is you're doing in the invisible parts of us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Join us at the Congregation of the Mighty. We're in the embassy um, where the Congregation of the Mighty meets every Sunday, 8 a.m. for Sunday school, 10 a.m. for worship service. And, again, if you need help, reach out. Don't struggle alone. Reach out. God bless you. (laughs)
3: Je pense que c'est un peu comme ça que je suis en train de me dire. Je pense que c'est un peu comme ça que je suis en train de me dire. You know,
1: I was thinking, I have been trying not to do this online because I'm thinking, well, yeah, but.
3: Uh, um. Okay,
1: o da
3: you want to be a friend you be a friend of to a friend of mine you to 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 to
1: yeah, we have a good day. Yeah,
3: we can't the daily things. <laughs>